0: MSW Media with swearing. Dear the
1: beans, dear beans, dear beans, dear beans.
0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 25th, 2021. Today, Donald Trump Jr. is in hot water over the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation into the Trump Organization. Donald could soon face deposition in the E. Jean Carroll case. Kushner's Times Square property moves towards foreclosure. The Georgia Senate passes voter restrictions. Steve Mnuchin is expected to launch an investment fund that could profit off his decisions as Treasury Secretary. We are expecting the imminent release of the intelligence report on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. There are new details emerging in the hit and run case against the South Dakota Attorney General. The NRA is in its death throws. The real reason Mansion may be snubbing the confirmation of Neera Tandon comes to light. Ted Cruz may be buying his own books through a mystery company. Trump's D.C. hotel is going through some things. A $1 billion class action suit has been filed against a Texas electric company after price gouging. Louis DeJoy faces tough questions in a hearing about the Postal Service. Bill Burns testifies in his confirmation hearing to become the next director of the CIA. The Manhattan District Attorney has subpoenaed Steve Bannon's wall funding records and a pro-Trump group that solicited foreign investors is now under investigation by the FBI. I'm A.G. (laughs) And I'm Dana Goldberg.
1: Wow. My goodness. (laughs) I feel like we all had a birthday during that introduction. (laughs) Like all of us had another birthday.
0: Yeah, that's the news for today. This is the busiest news day I've seen in a year. And uh, with all this news, you'd think we wouldn't have to have wall-to-wall coverage of Tiger Woods. But uh, if it bleeds, it leads, I guess. Now, I love Tiger. I wish him and the, his family the best, but I think the coverage is a little much. I would agree. I, and I, Same for me, but okay, we get it. We do get it. I didn't need to see the same clip of his car being pulled out of a ravine on a loop for six hours. Um, I have no interviews today because there's so much news to cover. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dana and I will be covering the lead stories. Then I'll jump into the news from under the radar. We have some really tasty schadenfreude for you today as well. And, of course, the good news at the end of the show. And so that's fun. And then join Dana and me for our after-party live interactive show on the Stereo app tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. That is always a ball. I'm looking forward to that.
1: I am as well. And if you're not already on the Stereo app, it's very easy to get there, Allison. There's a link that leads directly to you, I believe. Uh, and then you can follow both of us. I'm at DG Comedy and Allison are you at Allison Gill?
0: I am, and you can go to stereo.com slash Allison Gill, two L's and Allison, two Ls and Gill, and you can sign up. It's free and it's fun. So we'll see you at five Pacific, eight Eastern. Perfect. We have uh, clearly uh, some news, so why don't we uh, why don't we hit the hot notes? Awesome. Hot notes. Baby. The lead story today is about none other than America's own Tony Montana, Donald Trump Jr., for months, some of Donald Trump's top advisors have assured him that he has virtually nothing to fear from the Manhattan District Attorney's tax investigation, which they view as merely a fishing expedition for information, but investigators with the DA's office have been expanding their criminal probe, as we know, asking questions and grilling witnesses, as recently as in the past few days, not only about Trump, but particularly about his eldest son, Don Jr., and Alan Weisselberg, one of the former president's most trusted officers. That's according to the Daily Beast. This latest round of interest in Trump Jr. and Weisselberg's activities, as well as other new developments, underscore the resources and the gravity that the New York prosecutors are devoting to the investigation, just as Trump continues to publicly decry the probe as another example of the Democrats picking on him. Oh, mm-hmm. the baby. Mm-hmm. For years, Weisselberg has loyally served as the chief financial officer at the Trump Org and has been a fixture in separate investigations far beyond Cy Vance's team. Uh, Vance's specific interest in Weiselberg, however, dates back to 2019. Weiselberg has been a recurring character in other investigations conducted by the feds and on Capitol Hill, including for his alleged role in the masterminding the plot to conceal the Trump direct hush money payment during the 2016 election to uh, film star and alleged Trump mistress, Stormy Daniels. A resulting federal probe that occurred during the Trump presidency ended up sending Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, to prison. And that was due to his role in that payoff, which constituted a breach of campaign finance law. A spokesperson for Vance declined to comment. Jason Miller, a senior advisor to former President Trump, also declined. A rep for the Trump organization did not return a request for comment, and Weiselberg did not respond to a request for comment by press. <laughs> by press. <laughs> I love that everyone's like, "We're not talking about this. We're not talking about it." Yeah, and if you remember in the hush money payment, Weiselberg was given partial immunity. He had sort of a, a little protection there to help get, you know, put Cohen away, and uh, we assume uh, also testified against Trump. But, you know, we'll see how that turns out for him this time. Yeah, it should be interesting. And, ah, oh, this
1: one brings me joy. Eugene Carroll's lawyers are seeking to depose Trump in a defamation lawsuit that Carroll filed against the former president in November 2019 after he denied her accusations that he raped her at a Manhattan department store in the mid-1990s. Now, Trump said he never knew Carroll and accused her of lying to sell her new book, adding, she's not my type. Oh, he's so fucking gross. Uh, she plans to be there. If Trump is deposed, she said, I'm living for the moment to walk into that room to sit across the table from him. Carol told Reuters in an interview. I think of it every day. Now, Carol, 77, a former L. magazine columnist, seeks unspecified damages in her lawsuit and a retraction of Trump's statements. It is one of two defamation cases involving sexual misconduct allegations against Trump that could move forward faster now that he has left the presidency. While in office Trump's lawyers delayed the case in part by arguing that the pressing duties of his office <laughs> so hard to say <clears throat> sorry, made responding to civil lawsuits impossible. I think because you're not supposed to talk when you're on a golf course. Uh, The other case is Summer Zervos, and we'll keep you up to date on both cases as they progress. So I think you all remember this. um, The Department of Justice tried to take over Carol's case that we would end up paying for the defense. I mean, uh, I don't think so. So this this looks like it's getting good.
0: Yeah, that deposition seems eminent now allow me to read you this story this is from august 24th 2016 keep that in mind this is just a uh, month before trump was elected and Here it goes. It says this isn't the first time Milan chief executive Heather Bresch has been under fire. Bresch, who started out in a low level position in quality control at one of the company's factories, is the first female head of a large pharmaceutical company. She made a name for herself by turning the EpiPen, once an obscure injection device for allergy sufferers that she called her baby, into a blockbuster billion dollar drug. But the 47-year-old has found herself in the hot seat in recent weeks as consumers and lawmakers have expressed outrage over the rising cost of the drug and have called for investigations into the company's pricing practices. While the mounting attacks may be enough to unnerve even the hardened chief executive, Bresch has a longer history than most uh, of dealing with such issues and coming out mostly unscathed. Now, at the time, Neera Tandon criticized Bresch for the move and... At the time, Brush's total compensation went from $2.4 million to $18.9 million in just uh, eight years. That's a striking 671% raise. That period coincides with the time that Mylon acquired the rights to the EpiPen and steadily hiked the average wholesale price from about $55 to $320. A standard two-pack now costs between six dollars and $700. Quote, in fact, Fortune, in a tough profile, once described her career as being full of ethically messy mishaps and public relation gaffes, at least two involve her own father, Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat uh. from West Virginia. So back to the modern day, Joe Manchin has said he will not vote to confirm Nera Tandon. and when asked if it was personal, he said that notion was ridiculous. Uh it's also of note that the only two cabinet picks by Biden that are facing backlash are women of color, though Manchin has said today he will vote to confirm Deb Holland as the interior secretary, she will be the first Native American to head that agency
1: and deservedly so God there's so much oh it it goes deep with these with uh these guys and these d- grudges and uh, uh i can't I can't uh. Now, uh, just listen, I just want you to listen to the opening statement in this next Washington Post story, okay? Days after South Dakota Attorney General Jason Ravsborg fatally struck a man while driving in September, detectives told Republican official that they had found a pair of broken reading glasses inside his Ford Taurus. They belonged to the man he killed. So I just want you to think about that. That... Was a huge problem, detective said, because Ravensborg, 44, said he didn't know he hit a man until the following day when he returned to the scene and found the body of Joseph Boiver, 55, in a ditch. Now, all of that seems sketchy as shit anyway. I don't know why you would go back to the scene if you didn't know you would hit somebody. Uh, So in a quote, this is from the detective, they're Joe's glasses. So that means his face came through your windshield the detectives said in an interview released by the South Dakota Department of Public Safety on Tuesday. The interviews raised questions about the conduct of the state's top law enforcement official in the September 12th incident, giving fuel to a chorus of lawmakers demanding him to leave office. On Tuesday, a bipartisan group of lawmakers filed two articles of impeachment against Ravensborg, who has since been charged with three misdemeanors. That seems... Very ridiculous. And South Dakota Governor Christy L. Noem, uh, who's also Republican, called for his resignation. Now, the prosecutor that—and we also know she's in trouble. So it's just really (laughs) funny that she's calling for someone else's— Yeah, she's she's used the
0: state plane to go out and do campaign stuff. Exactly.
1: So the prosecutor that charged him with only three misdemeanors is— also a Republican. So this is looking more and more like vehicular manslaughter or something of the sort. I mean, if he's fled the scene, it's even worse. But the fact that this man's glasses were found in his front seat is highly incriminating that a body either went through the windshield or he somehow picked them up and put them in his car. So either of those things seems very, very sketchy.
0: Yeah, the thing that first crossed my mind before I read the the de- or before I heard the detective say that means his face went through your windshield was I I imagined he stopped, got out, mm-hmm. checked to see if the person was dead, took the glasses for some reason and brought them with him. That seems a little less likely than the face going through the windshield, but it's just dark and chilling and fucked up and that he was only charged with three misdemeanors. Right. uh, Is, uh, (laughs) uh, we talk about the two systems of justice in this country. There's a Mm. shining, shining example.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, I still have so much news to go over and quite a bit of schadenfreude. I'll fill you in after this quick break. Uh, if you'd like to get our show ad-free, you can sign up for a premium feed for as little as three bucks a month. Just head to patreon.com thedailybeans. And we'll be back in just over a minute. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG from The Daily Beans. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by American Giant. American Giant is my new favorite clothing company because they believe in quality over quantity. Back in the 60s, the average American only bought 25 items a year. Today, we average 67 items a year. And despite buying two and a half times more clothes, we only keep them half as long. Plus, in the average American closet, 82% of our clothes haven't been worn in the last 12 months. American Giant believes clothes should be wearable for years, so you don't have to buy more than you need. 60% of the clothes we buy end up in a landfill within a year of being made, because big apparel companies are constantly finding ways to cut corners and make clothing as quick as possible. Mega corporations churn out cheap clothes to prioritize profits, leaving working people behind, hollowing out communities, and filling junkyards. If we had clothing that we could wear just 50 more times, we would reduce our CO2 emissions by 400%. That's the equivalent of carpooling with three friends every day. American Giant makes clothing that's durable and built to last. It's not crappy or disposable. I recently got their women's blizzard full zip and it has weatherproof nylon shell for warmth. It's perfect for this cold weather. It's so warm and cozy. All you need is some mittens and you'll be the next Bernie Sanders meme. To me, it feels really good supporting local communities and buying amazing high-quality clothes made here in the United States. Choosing American Giant means supporting a supply chain that's 100% based in the USA and taking a stand for conscious consumerism, hardworking people, local communities, and quality clothes that are made to last. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. There was an awkward moment today in the faltering grand old party when Kevin McCarthy was asked in a news conference if he thought Trump should be speaking at CPAC, that's the Conservative Political Action Conference, and McCarthy quickly asserted that yes, he thought Trump should speak at CPAC this weekend in Florida. But then Republican Liz Cheney chimed in, saying, well, that's up to CPAC. I've been clear about my views about President Trump and the extent to which, following January 6th, I don't think he should be playing a role in the future of the party. McCarthy then wrapped up the press conferences by quipping, On that high note, thank you very much. And there was some laughter in the room. So, interesting. The GOP is splintering, which is good. And the beleaguered Postal Service chief, Louis DeJoy, answered questions on Capitol Hill today about the abysmal destruction of the agency at his hands. DeJoy told a House panel Wednesday that his forthcoming strategic plan for the Postal Service may include slowing first-class mail and removing a significant amount of mail from air transportation. His remarks come as members of the House Oversight and Reform Committee pressed him and Postal Service Board of Governors Chairman Ron Bloom about delivery service and financial crisis uh, at the nation's mail provider, and as Democrats in Congress push, push President Biden to install new board members that could reshape the agency and oust DeJoy. Republicans on the committee have largely used the hearing to defend DeJoy from attacks from Democrats about how the Postal Service handled ballots and election mail ahead of the November election, sparking tense exchanges between Democrats who voted to impeach Trump and Republicans who attempted to baselessly overturn the election uh, that removed him from office, citing falsehoods about mail-in voting. When uh, asked how long he thinks he'll remain at the helm, DeJoy replied, a long time. Get used to it. Well, I have news for you, Lewis. Breaking news, in fact. Biden has just said he will nominate three Democrats to the Board of Governors, thereby giving Dems the majority on the board. Biden will nominate a former U.S. Postal Service executive, a leading voting rights advocate and former postal union leader to the mail service's governing board. And when they learn that you lied under oath, Lewis, about canceling overtime the last time you testified, they'll have cause to fire your ass. You're burned. However, I think Bloom... Uh, One of the Democrats, at least one of the Democrats on the board, has said he wouldn't vote to oust DeJoy. I haven't seen direct reporting of that. I'm only hearing it. And I think it came up in the hearings today where he seemed that he would support him. They can be replaced. But right now, Biden is filling the vacancies that are there. And I think, you know, picking a leading voting rights advocate, a former postal union leader and a former postal service executive is great. It's perfect. Um, Those just have to go through the nomination process and confirmation process. We have the majority. They should be um, confirmed. No problem. Also on the Hill today was testimony from Bill Burns, who is Biden's nominee to head the CIA. He was amazing, and he's likely to sail through the nomination process He swiftly and decisively condemned enhanced interrogation and torture. He said he would focus on issues with China and Russia, especially cybersecurity issues, and make cybersecurity and technological innovation priorities under his watch. And most Republicans and all Democrats have indicated that they'll be voting to move his confirmation to the full Senate. It's expected that he'll get passed with well over 90 votes. And another headline for you from Salon. One day before the Georgia Senate runoff elections... And two days before the Capitol insurrection, a leadership pack attached to Senator Ted Cruz paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to a mystery company that had previously bought copies of Cruz's book. That's according to recent filings with the FEC. Uh, The expenses raised questions about whether the controversial conservative senator and Cancun frequent flyer used the political campaigns and Donald Trump's attempt to subvert the democratic process to raise money for himself. That could push the FEC to issue a ruling on a pending issue that could have consequences for Trump's fundraising. For Trump's fundraising, right? Now, over the course of 2020, the Cruz-affiliated Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC paid $1.2 million, nearly 80% of its operating budget, to a company called Reagan Investments, LLC, for, quote, sponsorship advertising. The only other committee to register any disbursements to that company was Trump Make America Great Again. That's a PAC for Trump. Uh, And that was for a fundraising promotion for Cruz's book in December. That's according to The New York Times. However, the Trump group clearly marked the payment for collateral books, unquote. Campaign finance experts told Salon that the PAC's payment classifications, all of them for sponsorship advertising, were unusual and opaque. Now, on January 4th, 2021... Uh, the day Cruz traveled to Georgia before the runoff elections, his leadership pack reported a $240,000 expense for sponsorship advertising to Reagan Investments, which appears to correlate with another series of small-dollar donations that poured into the pack over the next few days. It isn't clear how much of the funds raised went to Republican runoff campaigns. Cruz's PAC only spent a few thousand dollars in support of Kelly Loeffler. In fact, most of the contributions rolled in after the runoffs were over. And as the events surrounding the January 6th insurrection were playing out, while Cruz joined a handful of Republican senators to object to the counting of electoral college votes. Legal experts tell Salon that if the money was for promotional book sales, as the filings may suggest, then the leadership pack could be using Reagan investments as a pass through to allow Cruz to keep the royalties, which are generally between 10 and 15 percent for hardcover books and about half for paperbacks. Political candidates are not allowed to do that through their campaign committees, but the identity of Reagan Investments itself poses a mystery. The PAC's filing claims that Reagan Investments LLC is located in an office building across the street from the Texas state capitol in Austin. The company does not appear in Texas business registries at all. Open Corporate's records, however, show that the company by a company by that name was organized in Missouri on January twenty third, 2020, two days after the PAC reported its first-ever payment to the company of about $57,000. The agent on that registration, James Thomas III, was involved with a scheme that unlawfully funneled dark money from a conservative nonprofit to a political committee, resulting in a $350,000 FEC fine in 2018. Quote, Senator Cruz spending nearly a quarter a million dollars on sponsorship advertising is certainly odd, and raises several questions into his leadership PAC's financial behavior. That's according to Jenna Grande, press secretary for government watchdog Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, the group that filed the original FEC complaint detailing the dark money scheme involving Thomas and Roe. Quote, we would certainly welcome an explanation from him about these suspicious expenditures, unquote. If Reagan investments is a means for Cruz to collect publishing royalties, the senator would appear to be converting donations to personal use, and possibly filing false FEC reports. If that were the case, Jeff Rowe could potentially be considered a co-conspirator. Candidates who sponsored the leadership PACs are generally allowed to use donor funds for personal expenses, meaning Cruz could keep any royalties. But the FEC currently has a pending review of a related question, whether the personal use prohibition should extend to leadership PACs that belong to active candidates, such as Cruz. Now, an unfavorable ruling here could have implications for Trump's leadership PAC, Save America. If the former president decides to run again in 2024, he may not have unfettered personal access to the millions of dollars in the PAC's account, and that could circumscribe his ability to spend those contributions on his personal business empire. Sales for Cruz's 2015 book, A Time for Truth, drew scrutiny after the New York Times refused to put it on the bestseller list, citing strategic bulk purposes that appeared inorganic. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, All right. Do you all remember Trump's Urban Revitalization Coalition? That's the URC. Uh, They were caught last year giving away cash to black voters to get them to vote for Trump, and subsequently they lost their nonprofit status. Well, according to Salon, the FBI has opened an investigation into the activities of a pro-Trump group, this pro-Trump group that appears to have engaged in an off-the-books foreign influence campaign and violated IRS rules regulating the political activity for nonprofit organizations. The probe's scope includes two officials affiliated with the URC. The two men, Karim Lanier and Daryl Scott, a Cleveland-area pastor and a former Trump campaign official, also used the URC as a vehicle to solicit donations from foreign nationals, including influential Turkish businessmen, uh, while they worked with the Trump administration officials to attract new investments in opportunity zones, economically disadvantaged areas targeted for new incentives under the former president's 2017 tax bill. Salon reported the Turkish connections in a two-part series last September. Some of the solicitations were floated by former MAGA world star Rabia Kazan, a Turkish author whom Scott and Lanier brought into the URC to facilitate such connections, according to Kazan and people with knowledge of the arrangement. Multiple people told Salon that the group had also approached Americans for donations in exchange for access to the Trump White House. Former Trump officials told Salon that such deals included tickets to the White House Easter egg roll and that Scott was suspected of using his Cleveland church to funnel untraceable large dollar contributions to the Trump's inauguration. Uh, The URC made headlines last February when it held campaign adjacent events with cash giveaways for black voters in underprivileged communities, including a $25,000 raffle which the organization had promised the IRS it would not do. Politico described the raffle as part of a national strategy to hold events in black communities where they lavish praise on the president while handing out thousands of dollars in giveaways. The URC's efforts to make inroads with foreign investors dovetailed with the Trump administration's foreign policy goals of establishing a new overarching trade deal with Turkey. They also overlapped with Turkey's release of Andrew Brunson, an American pastor and political prisoner held by the government of Erdogan. Texts from an Erdogan aide obtained by Salon described the release as part of a mutual exchange connected to the 2018 midterm elections. Legal experts told Salon that some of the above activities appear to violate rules governing U.S. tax and lobbying laws. I'll keep you posted on this story as the investigation continues. And the Georgia State Senate on Tuesday passed legislation that would require voters to submit a driver's license number, a state identification card number, or a photocopy of an approved form of I.D. in order to vote absentee in the state. Senate Bill 67 passed the upper chamber in a 35 to 18 vote on Tuesday and now heads to the state house for consideration. That's according to the Associated Press. The bill has already been met with opposition from Democrats and voting rights groups who say the legislation would make it difficult for voters who don't have driver's licenses or state ID cards to vote absentee. According to the AP, absentee ballots are currently tallied using signature verification. That's what that phone call from Lindsey Graham was about. In a statement on Tuesday afternoon, voting rights group Fair Fight... Uh, said the bill would add needless barriers to voting in Georgia and accused proponents of the measure of ignoring voters who would be affected by the legislation. Quote, in Georgia, with more than 7,692,567 registered voters, that means that 230,000 electors may not have the requisite identification and will therefore incur a burden in complying with the law. That's according to the group, while also adding that discriminatory policy shows that Georgia has not moved past racist motivations for which uh, it was included in uh, pre-clearance under the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Another bill advanced by the the Senate subcommittee in a party line 3-2 vote, if passed, would require Georgians who wish to vote by absentee to meet certain requirements. As of now, the state does not require voters to have a reason to vote absentee. Last week, Georgia Republicans also filed a sweeping 48-page election bill that would place further limitations on voting if passed, including a provision that would prohibit counties and municipalities from holding advanced voting on Sundays, a day that black churches in the state have previously used to increase voter participation among congregants with souls-to-the-polls efforts. I expect Democracy Docket will be filing lawsuits to block these bills imminently. We will keep you posted on that. I still have a lot of news for you, so stay tuned. After this quick break, I have some very tasty, tasty schadenfreude for you, so we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste amazing but have close to no sugar. I'm always on the lookout for delicious, healthy snacks, because that is my undoing, right? I love to snack. I'm a grazer. And usually, the healthier the snacks are, the worse they taste. They often don't fill you up, they don't satisfy your cravings, and that is why I'm so glad I found Monk Pack. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain less than one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. They're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for anyone who wants to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing awesomeness. The Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have the perfect balance of sweet and salty, a crunch from whole nuts and seeds, but they still manage to be soft and chewy, and they're so delicious. They come in flavors like caramel sea salt, sea salt dark chocolate, and peanut butter dark chocolate. My favorite flavor right now is caramel sea salt. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I love caramel. I love sea salt. And they're so crunchy and chewy. It, it, they're amazing. And since they're packed with protein, they're filling and they're satisfying. They're perfect for a quick snack to indulge a sweet tooth. No soy, no trans fats, no sugar alcohols or artificial colors. They're gluten free, plant based, and non GMO. Enjoy monk Pack keto nut and seed bars while working or out on a bike ride or a hike. And we have a special deal for listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DAILYBEANS at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. To get started, just go to monkpack.com, that's m u n k p a c k.com and select any product, then enter the code DAILYBEANS at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Welcome back. Some more headlines today. Former Treasury Secretary Steve is planning to start an investment fund that is expected to raise money from sovereign wealth funds in the Persian Gulf regions and from other investors. Uh, The fund, based in Washington, would focus on areas including financial technology and entertainment, among other potential sectors. Uh, Mnuchin, who worked uh, as a Wall Street executive and a film producer before joining the Trump administration, has begun hiring for the endeavor. The people familiar with the matter spoke on the condition of anonymity, uh, you know, to discuss planning that has not been made public yet. The United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia control some of the region's largest investment funds, according to the Sovereign Wealth Fund Institute, which tracks these types of funds. Mnuchin frequently traveled to the Middle East throughout the Trump administration, most often in relation to Treasury's mandate to combat terrorism financing. In the waning weeks of the Trump administration— As Washington reeled from the January 6th riot at the Capitol and questions swirled about whether Trump's cabinet would try to remove him from power, Mnuchin was on a diplomatic swing through the Middle East and Africa, visiting Sudan, Egypt, Israel, and the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar. He planned to visit Kuwait as well, but cut the trip short in the aftermath of the riot. Mnuchin also visited the region in October to promote commercial ties in the wake of the Abraham Accords, which normalized relations between Israel and several Arab states. Mnuchin and Jared Kushner, the former president, you know, his son-in-law, also helped put together the Bahrain Conference in 2019 that helped lead to the Abraham Accords. Mnuchin traveled to Saudi Arabia and met with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, in October of 2018, even as the Saudi royal was widely suspected of ordering the brutal killing just weeks earlier of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The CIA later concluded Mohammed uh, actually ordered that assassination. Though it's unclear if Mnuchin will seek funds from the Saudi or UAE governments, his planned investment effort, coming so soon after leaving office, raises concerns over whether the Trump administration policy was influenced by Mnuchin's future pursuits. Uh, Allow me to give you a hint. It fucking was. And speaking of Jamal Khashoggi, if you recall, the new Biden pick to lead the office of the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, said in her confirmation hearing that she would release the intelligence report on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi that was required by law to be released quite a while ago, actually. And the release of that report is going to happen today, any moment. It's expected today. Uh, and is also expected to name MBS as having ordered the murder. There might be other evidence in that report as well backing up that claim Not long after the Saudi journalist was killed in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, the CIA assessed with high confidence that MBS had personally ordered the killing, but intelligence officials never spoke publicly or presented that evidence. A UN investigator found in June 2019 it was inconceivable that MBS wasn't aware of the operation. As of the time of this recording, we do not yet have that report, but I'll give you the details as soon as it's released. And as promised, it's time for some schadenfreude.
1: Schadenfreude!
0: A Times Square retail property owned by Kushner Company, the family company of former presidential advisor Jared Kushner, is a step closer to foreclosure, according to loan documents. Legal counsel has been engaged and foreclosure actions have been filed, according to Wells Fargo, a trustee of the debt. The building at 229 West 43rd Street, this isn't the Devil Building, uh, which used to house the New York Times, is only about half occupied. It was reappraised at $92.5 million in 2020 and counted Bullmore, and until December, Guitar Center as tenants. The building was appraised at $470 million in 2016. Deutsche Bank AG originated a $285 million loan in 2016 to refinance six floors of the retail space of the former New York Times building. The property also had an $85 million in mezzanine debt from SL Green Realty Corp and the Paramount Group Incorporated. Hmm. Big debts. Foreclosure. Bye-bye. But wait, there's more. Slate Business reports Zach Everson explained that former President Donald Trump's Washington, D.C. hotel might not be able to hold on for much longer. The impact of the pandemic on hospitality has been massive. Airlines have struggled. Hotels, amusement parks, resorts, the cruise industry, they're all taking a hit despite bailouts and PPP funds. But it isn't just the poor handling of the pandemic that has put the Trump Hotel in trouble. The chance for success was questionable to begin with as Trump previously steered six of the Trump organization's hotels into bankruptcy. Quote, The Trump D.C. hotel also enjoys a business plan that befuddles industry experts, a $170 million mortgage that's coming due, the scrutiny of continuing investigations, and a new landlord who, for a change, doesn't double as as the hotel's owner. That's Evers That's according to Everson. Uh, Everson continues, While it's unlikely that the federal government will evict the Trump organization, the ex-president's company doesn't seem to be happy to hang around either. It tried to unload its lease in 2019 and couldn't find anyone to meet its asking price. <laughs> hang on. I'm not done yet. There's more schadenfreude here. Plagued by infighting and targeted by sprawling investigations, the National Rifle Association has found itself entangled in a legal web of its own making, several experts told ABC News, as a federal judge considers the fate of the organization's widely scrutinized bankruptcy case. Prosecutors in New York sued the NRA last summer in a bid to dissolve the gun lobbying juggernaut, accusing it of being fraught with fraud and abuse, a claim the NRA has repeatedly denied. The NRA subsequently filed for bankruptcy protection and announced plans to reincorporate in Texas. The bid for restructuring in the Lone Star State is in a series of high-risk moves uh, that the NRA is undertaking to fight for survival, basically, legal experts say, as the organization tries to maneuver around the threat posed by the New York Attorney General Letitia James and her probe. The organization did so in part to free itself from the, quote, toxic political environment of New York and to, quote, streamline costs and expenses, proceed with pending litigation in a coordinated and structured manner and realize many financial and strategic advantages. That's according to a January letter penned by Wayne LaPierre. That's the CEO. Judge Harlan Hale of the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Northern District of Texas is now weighing motions filed by Letitia James and others to dismiss the NRA's bankruptcy case claim. Legal experts interviewed by ABC... Uh, posit that the chances of dismissal are strong, particularly given the NRA's insistence that the organization remains financially viable, a position that undermines the traditional purpose of a Chapter 11 claim. Adam Levittin a bankruptcy professor at Georgetown University Law Center, says the NRA's plan to seek bankruptcy protection amounts to a little, little more than a Hail Mary pass. If the alternative is that New York Attorney General shuts down the NRA, what do they have to lose with this strategy? They are out of ammo. But another scenario could pose an entirely different threat to the beleaguered gun group. If Hale allows the NRA to, to you know, to go forward with its bankruptcy, uh, he may then choose to appoint a trustee to investigate allegations of fraud or even assume control of the organization. Quote, the first thing a trustee would do would be to, in effect, take over control of the organization of all the assets and all the records. That's according to Jay Westbrook, a bankruptcy scholar at the University of Texas, Austin. Quote, that would be very undesirable for the... <laughs> <laughs> for the NRA. <laughs> Pamela Fooey, a bankruptcy law professor at the University of Indiana, suggested that the appointment of a trustee or an examiner could further imperil the organization. Quote, the most likely scenario in bankruptcy when a trustee is appointed is a plan of liquidation and then dissolution. And yet, still more schadenfreude for you. Also in the news, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office has subpoenaed financial records related to Steve Bannon's crowdfunding border wall thing signaling that its criminal investigation into Bannon is advancing. Prosecutors sent the subpoenas after uh, Trump pardoned Bannon in late January for federal conspiracy crimes tied to the Southern Border Wall project, making Bannon among the Trump world figures, including the former president, subjects of criminal investigations by Cy Vance. The grand jury subpoenas were sent to Wells Fargo, one of the financial institutions that handled some of the accounts used in the fundraising effort, and GoFundMe, the crowdfunding platform where Bannon's project We Build the Wall once operated. The state grand jury investigation revives the possibility that Bannon, the conservative and outspoken political strategist, could face state criminal charges after shedding the federal case last month when he was pardoned. In addition to the criminal investigation, the New Jersey Attorney General's office has launched a civil inquiry into We Build the Wall. In September, the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs subpoenaed We Build the Wall for documents seeking a wide range of of records, and that's according to court filings. Now, Trump's pardon of Bannon here is useless, uh, as is the double jeopardy argument, because Bannon has not yet been convicted or tried for these crimes. And they're state crimes, so the pardon doesn't matter. And finally... From Forbes, Houston-based electric company Gritty has been hit with a class-action lawsuit seeking monetary relief of over $1 billion after a rash of customers reported astronomically high energy bills after last week's winter storm, even as millions in the state went without power. Now, the lawsuit claims customers received electric bills as high as $17,000 after the storm, saying that amounted to price gouging. Uh, I would like to hear them argue that it doesn't. Gritty customers pay wholesale prices for electricity, with the price subject to shifts in demand, a much different system than the fixed-rate electricity prices essentially all other companies use for charging customers. The massive spike in demand caused by an unprecedented strain on the estate's electric grid caused spot electricity prices to rise from $50 per megawatt uh, to $9,000 per megawatt hour, that's according to the lawsuit. Now, during the storm's aftermath, Giddy encouraged customers to switch to a fixed-rate provider, but most customers could not immediately do so since companies were not accepting new customers at the time. An email Forbes sent to Gritty for comment was met with an automatic reply, saying the company would fight for accountability into why prices were allowed to remain so high for so long and explaining how customers can enroll in a deferred payment plan, meaning you still owe us $17,000. You just have 10 years to pay it. Just so you know, there are uh, 29,000 gritty customers. Now, as if you needed any more good news, we have our listener submitted considerations coming up with Dana Goldberg right after this quick break. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans. And this segment of the pod is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Uh, I'm pretty one of a kind, right? I'm unique. I'm a unique individual. So are you. So are you. Listen to my voice. You are unique. And Helix Sleep's mattresses are designed with this in mind, recognizing we're all unique and each of us sleep differently. Helix Sleep customizes your mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. We all have trouble sleeping from time to time. I hadn't slept well in the past four years, but thankfully I found Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep created a sleep quiz It takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So if you like a mattress that's plush or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back, or if you sleep really hot with Helix, there is a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news.
1: Well, we will blow
0: I love when the good news comes after a giant fat section of schadenfreude. I really do. (laughs) It's just a cherry on top. Mm -hmm. It's not even a palate cleanser. It's just dessert. (laughs) Yes. So this is the gravy, y'all. And if you have any good news stories, photos of your pod pets, your happy place, uh, if you have any dumb moments that you want to confess to us or send in any disputes you have for Judge Amy uh, to decide tomorrow, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact I'll kick us off, Dana. We've got a contribution here from Matt, pronouns he and him. Hi, it's Matt, the lizard guy. As we live in Austin, the last couple of weeks have been trying. While we didn't suffer any personal misfortune from the freeze, aside from a few days without internet or showers, knowing what others were were going through was very stressful. However, today I write with a little bit of good news. As I've written before, we adore the lizards that live in our yard. Most of them were off sheltering even before the storm hit. But up until then, on warm days, we could still see mini danger on the screen and a and a group out back that we call the pokies. <laughs> the pokies are so named because they live under the outside window molding of our sunroom. They poke their heads out from underneath the molding, and it's adorable. Unsurprisingly, we haven't seen them since the storm hit. We've been worried that they didn't survive the freeze. But today, we saw three or four of them poking their little heads out into the sun. It's hard to tell how many because sometimes they share a single window i tried to get the best pictures i could but they're they're particularly skittish and tend to retreat into their forts if we get too close it made our day to know they're still safe and pokey as ever oh look at (laughs) (laughs) i love that they call them the pokies it reminds me of that old commercial Snossages. remember where the dog would like stick his head in in the Snossages and it's like a little (laughs) whack-a-mole Oh, my God, so cute.
1: Oh, my God. I'm going to take the next two if it's okay. They're pretty short. and Absolutely. All right. This next one's from Mary. No pronouns given. I listen every day and have ever since the very beginning. I have to correct myself. Ever since the theme song for the Daily Beans dropped, I thought it was beans. It's scary. Daily beans. Daily beans. <laughs> I just finally figured it out. It's news with swearing. Daily beans. <laughs> daily beans. Kind of like my friend who thought Raspberry Beret by Prince was rad. Spiritual babe. (laughs) thanks for for being the start of every day mary thank you for that joy
0: Uh, oh good mis mis misunderstood lyrics are the best i always thought that i always thought that in uh goody two shoes by adam ant where he says subtle innuendos follow i thought he said something in you went tostado uh so you know i was I was eight. I didn't know what subtle innuendos were. It made no sense.
1: It happens. It happens. Oh, that song I was telling you about that I couldn't think of before when it was like, so heaven's got a plan for you. That song where in it's, I thought it was Seattle. Seattle's <laughs> got a plan for you. And I'm like, why was Seattle? <laughs> All right. This next one's from Adam. <laughs> This is from Adam's pronoun, he and him. Hello from London. I started listening to the Muller she wrote in 2019 after finding you via podcast done by Carol Cadwalader. Uh, thanks for helping me learn so much about U.S. politics. A nice distraction from our car crash politics under Boris and his crooks. I'm hoping Biden and the Dems will totally leave Pariah Britain to in the cold. Uh, I leave a pic of our lockdown puppy, Peggy, a mini dox. And Peggy oh. is adorable. <gasps> oh. Look at the big eyes. Oh. Allison, look at the big eyes. Oh, look at the
0: eyebrows. Oh, oh goodness. And the rainbow sweater is adorable.
1: Thank you for this, Adam.
0: Yeah. Car- Carol Cadwallader, she's really, really amazing. And I was able to have Peter Jukes, who, who appears on her show uh, on Muller she wrote. Just really great uh, team. And, you know, we did delve in a lot to British politics, especially when Nigel Farage and uh, Leave, the Leave Party was concerned, UKIP and all that stuff that was connected to Bannon and Uh, all of, you know, all of that stuff. So, uh, Cambridge Analytica. So anyway, thank you for that. That And thank you for the doggo. Next up from Lena, pronouns she and her. Hello, A-G-D-G-A-C and all others involved in this lovely little podcast. Nothing brings me as much joy as waking up and hearing your takes on the news. As for my good news, today is the one-year anniversary of me working my first official big girl job in local government. (laughs) It's the Department of Transportation. I'm honestly shocked I made it. The pandemic absolutely destroyed my mental health. I was too afraid to say anything and would go days without working or even talking to my manager. Despite this, on my evaluation, my manager said he, quote, continues to be encouraged by my professional and positive outlook. I truly feel like the troubled bird. I've been through hell Uh, and come out singing. I still don't know how to check my voicemail, though. (laughs) 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 No pod pet tax, but here is my happy place. It's my cubicle, a place I've missed dearly through working from home. The satellite images in my cubicle are phytoplankton blooms in the Chukchi Sea off Alaska, the San Juan River, and Chinle Creek in Utah, a pond growth caused by wind along the atchafalaya delta in louisiana and the mary river in the kakadu national park in australia's northern territory i think she really wants you to read those
1: i'm sure you gl- i'm so sure glad you got this one <laughs> was just on pins and needles going is she gonna be able to pull us off and you did you really
0: did <laughs> i probably mispronounced one or two she'll let us know
1: but you did it with such confidence no one would ever i mean she'll definitely not you know but with so much com- i would have been like is that right allison is that right and then he, with confidence she would have said i think so yeah that one's right
0: <laughs> well thank you lena for that that is really good news and i'm i'm glad that you this is a great cubicle and I'm I'm glad that you are, you know, you're back in it. Your I big girl it. job. I love your big
1: girl job. All right, this next one's from Tom pronouncing him, "Hello, I want to share with you all of what was my happy place, my 1952 Beach Bonanza that used to be Uh, That used to belong to my grandfather. He owned it for over 40 years. I've had it for 15. When flying it, nothing else matters. It's just you and the machine. When I do share, it's usually with kids, showing them aviation and the wonder of flying. Unfortunately, this has ended. I've had to find something else. My seizure and accident has ended flying for me, but I'll continue the volunteer work I've been doing at the airport. My new happy place a kayak, garden, my wife's arms, cooking, all of the above. That is a good ending. Ah, oh, it's so cool. Look at the I mean to be able to fly. A
0: 1952 Beach Bonanza plane.
1: Unbelievable. Wow. Beautiful family, too. Beautiful family, Tom.
0: Oh, how wonderful. Oh, uh, the volunteer work. Your kayak. Ki- yeah, send us some kayaking photos, please. I love kayaks. Uh, next up from Nova. Pronouns she and her. I've been enjoying the guess my mix game, so I'm submitting one of my puppers chayka i think or chayka one picture is or her sh- free
1: shaka Shaka, sh- sh-
0: uh, yeah. shaka. chayka c-h-a-y-k-a
1: <laughs> i think the game just turned into guess my dog's name and breed <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: one picture is her freedom ride home after i adopted her i love that the freedom ride i know and the other is her favorite summer activity dna results below because i had too many guesses to be sure okay so the summer <gasps> oh. activity is in a pool and it's got a little um uh like a spitz tail that looks like a spitz tail to me. It does but the ears and it looks like the length of the legs could be a corgi. Yeah, I see corgi in there. Corgi spitz. What else? And shh like I see
1: a collie. It's a pretty tiny little dog. Let's see. See so we got. Answer below. We have dun, 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 dun. border collie. You got it. Look at
0: that. Shiba Inu is the tail. Ah. Miniature poodle. Oh. Rest mixed with these likely breeds: Pharaoh Hound, Chihuahua, Commodore, Shetland Sheep Dog, and Boulder de Flanders. Hmm.
1: Well, the border collie, the reason I, I don't know, I saw that I, when I was younger, I had a dog that was half wolf and half collie, and her face looked like amy's i think it's funny when people name their dogs and their animals by human names so amy was our dog growing up
0: so you got the border collie yeah and i got zero on that (laughs) and shetland sheep dog is is also very cute i love those so so cute uh I'll, i'll take this one too okay go ahead okay from artists pronouns he and him meet the mystery mutt Say hi to Fiona. She loves people and wants to be everyone's friend. Whenever I describe her, no one can imagine what she looks like. Can you guess her breed?
1: I'm thinking there's some German Shepherd.
0: There's a hound dog in there for sure.
1: For sure. A Maybe it's a be- like a Beagle-German-Shepherd-hound dog mix?
0: It could be a Basset or a Bloodhound or a Coonhound.
1: Definitely Hound. I'm with you on that.
0: But there's German Shepherd in there too, I think, because of the coat and the tail, right?
1: Yeah, that's what I would say. Maybe a little golden. I've got another picture. Oh. Oh, gosh. What a good, a good
0: face. Oh, look at the eyes. Okay, drum roll for the reveal Beagle. Oh. And a mystery mutt that looks like a German Shepherd. Yep, there we go. We've got Hound Dog and German Shepherd. Woo, woo. Woo, woo. All right. I'm a Hound Dog. <laughs> All right
1: all right here we go this next one's from rachel pronoun she and her hi beans queens i'm fairly new listener but i love the show my good news is that my parents have scheduled their appointments for their first vaccine dose next week for pod pet tax i've included a picture of my house tiger hobbs oh look at his face oh my god (laughs) he's so cute so cute i found oh my god i came across um a cat breed that apparently literally looks like a miniature tiger like a miniature tiger face. It was
0: the cutest thing Aww. I've ever seen. Oh, I
1: know. That's a beautiful
0: cat. Yes. It's an orange tabby. Very very man cat face. Very Truman face. I loved I love
1: Calvin it. and Hobbes growing up. Absolutely loved. I used to draw them all the time. Do you know the Calvin and Hobbes cartoon?
0: Oh, uh, absolutely. I love yeah. it.
1: Okay. Just wasn't sure. So yeah. fun. Silence on the other end. I was like,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Dana. No, nope, Never heard of him, Dana. Mm. Yes, no, absolutely. And this is a very beautiful kitty. And thank you all so much. So these, I love the guessing of the breeds. Please continue to send them in. We got we got one right, and then we got half of one right, and then like none on the other. So these are so much fun to me. I love these. This is
1: really fun for me too. <laughs>
0: and, it, it's, and, and we get to see pod pets. It's just so much fun so thank you so much and if you have cat breeds like other than you know american short hair uh you know that you want us to send like persian himalayan um sphinx kitties but oh my god i'll be useless with this i'm literally gonna have to research cat breeds and um they, the rexies but i you know i don't think that there's too many like designer combo breeds or or you know mutt cats that aren't just considered american short-haired cats or american True. long-haired cats so um we probably won't get too much into the cats but but if you have some sort of uh, fancy, you know, Sphinx Rex breed or something, and you want to try to stump us, please feel free to send them in. Do um, it. Would love to take a guess. Uh, that's the show. Do you have any final thoughts before we uh, get out of here?
1: I mean, it'll already have happened by the time you hear this, but go USA Women's National Team. I'm taking off to watch them
0: play Argentina in the She Believes Cup. ooh. ooh. All right. Go Team USA. And everyone, until tomorrow... Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your mental health, and take care of the planet. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the Beans. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after-party on the stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. And uh, we're here doing our live after-party, Daily Beans after-party is what they're they're calling it, what the kids are calling it these days. It reminds me of, I just watched (laughs) the 30 Rock episode where Liz Lemon was like, uh, out with Tracy Jordan, and he's like, are you going to the after, 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 after party? And they end up like on somebody's roof. But yeah, just finished watching that vote the vote to oust marjorie taylor green from her uh, I, I think i was incorrect i think the last time we were here live i said that she was only i thought she was only on one committee she was on two committees she yeah. was on education and labor and also on the budget committee like education what?
1: education she's on the
0: committee of educ. she was was because she got voted <laughs> off of education Yeah, and 11 Republicans voted alongside Democrats to oust her from these seats. Uh, So we're going to see how the backlash of that plays out, because, as you know, McCarthy was like, well, what about Maxine Waters and what about so-and-so? And And they get to keep their committee seats like they committed, like they wanted other people to be executed or believed that 9-11 was not real or what. Like, come on, like, stop. Stereo is the app for live social conversations. We want to talk directly with you, the listeners. Ask us questions about news, politics, anything. And you can share your experiences and opinions. And we want to hear it all. So download the new app called Stereo and join us live this week, Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific. Link to our show in the description and join us over on the Stereo app.